So today, I'm here in Hong Kong with Derek Elmer. Derek is someone that I've known for a couple of years now, and I'm fascinated with the information that he has and the way he has spent his time in this part of the world. I think you'll find it fascinating, too. So welcome, Derek, to Conversations 360 podcast and to this Asia and the West series. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, Derek, let me start with this question. When we talk about conversations taking place between Asia and the West, what does that bring to mind for you? What does that mean? I think it brings to mind to me uh, a difficulty uh, at the present time. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe that uh, especially China and the US are, are very wearful of each other at the moment. And I believe that uh, the new administration in, in the USA has uh, put China on a very, very uh, thin edge in regards to politics. And they are very wary at the moment how to deal with uh, the new administration in the USA. How about on a non-political level? What about the communications, the conversations between, since you brought up China, between Chinese and Americans or the West? Mm, I think the, the, uh, the Chinese have uh, regular Chinese people, citizens, I think they have uh, a strong urge to uh, to travel, and we can see that in visitor numbers uh, in various countries around the world, in including Europe and, and the United States. And I feel that uh, the younger Chinese uh, would like to get out and travel, and I feel that the younger Chinese uh, want to become westernized. Uh, and as of recent, we've actually uh, seen this uh, a lot in India. There's been uh, a lot of um, younger younger people from the age of 18 to 25 that have been uh, changing from traditional dress to Western dress Interesting. and have actually incurred uh, some assaults on that en masse. You mean uh, that that people have attacked them? For, yes, there have been uh, there have been uh, several large in incidents of actual uh, sexual assaults on uh, large amounts of young Indians dressing up in a Western style, mm -hmm. uh, and the older uh, generation seeing that as an invitation uh, to take some form of uh, make some form of attack uh, to those people. But um, in regards to um, China, I feel that the, the younger Chinese have embraced a Western culture. And I feel that over the last uh, 30 to 40 years, uh, there's been enough wealth uh, for uh, businessmen or government employees to send their children overseas. And it's not just America, it's Germany, it's the UK, it's... Australia. Australia, uh, Canada, and um, we can see that uh, the, the people that are returning to China uh, really know how to deal with Westerners. So we can see that uh, the average uh, CEO or entrepreneur is much younger than, than maybe 20, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a great advantage for China because they're able to do business with uh, English-speaking uh, countries overseas very, very easily. Uh, and this we can see even in the government. 
uh, we can look at certain government uh, ministries and um, see that some of the uh, leaders in those ministries have actually had studies overseas, um, even up to military level, which is very, very interesting. So when you look at it the other way around, how, <clears throat> excuse me, when you look at it the other way around, how savvy are Westerners about what's going on in China? I think that any Westerner that has actually been to China knows that it's a very uh, difficult environment to conduct any kind of business. Uh, and there is, in fact, a um, what I would describe as um, somewhat of uh, a red flag issue. Uh, most Westerners, for example, believe that if they enter into business with someone in China, that the chances of them being ripped off are going to be quite high. However, um, looking at the size of uh, American business and uh, an American uh, culture, I would believe that there's probably more red flags in American business than there are in, in Chinese business. That American businesses would be taking advantage exactly, of. Interesting. Exactly. Yes. Interesting. So I, I, f I feel that um, America doesn't really know where China is at the moment. Um, <coughs> it's, uh, it's something that they're not sure of and it's something that they're not aware of. Uh, all they know is China is a big manufacturing uh, back garden and supplies lots of goods to the rest of the world that are of, are of an inferior quality. But the truth is, is that they supply lots of good goods to the world, which are of a very good quality. Indeed. Uh, and that's a uh, an issue that I think uh, should be corrected. Well, in fact, they're unaware that China is actually moving from being the manufacturer to the world to uh, a, a much different kind of economy yes. if they can. Yes, yeah. the, the domestic market alone for China is absolutely huge and uh, I believe they could quite happily live uh, with much less export driven market which is what they're trying to uh, achieve right now uh, because of their domestic market is is just so enormous that they can live with just looking after their domestic market. And the growth is just potentially exponential. The growth, yes. Yeah. The, the growth, uh, I mean, when, when you look at, uh, when you look at um, Chinese uh, large cities uh, and the uh, new child policy, which allows... Uh, two or more children. Yeah, two mm -hmm. or more children. Uh, the, the room for growth is amazing. So what about this latest slowdown or turn down or downturn in China? Still, of course, a big, huge economy. Has that had an impact on the businesses with whom you work on your own? I don't think so, no. I think it's, it's, had, uh, it's had an impact in certain sectors. Uh, however, I don't think that there is a slowdown. Uh, I think that uh, when you look at uh, when you look at some of the statistics in regards to electrical use and uh, coal use in, in different parts of China, the actual statistics show uh, an increase in the use of, which, uh, to really? yes, which to me indicates that uh, the factory lights are on, uh, the pollution is high, which means the, the factories are burning um, coal 
to make goods. Uh, I don't believe there is a slowdown. Uh, so you think that these numbers are actually bogus? I don't think the numbers are true. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that there is... Uh, some of the numbers have been manipulated and will continue to be manipulated for many, many years to come, if not by the USA, by China themselves. <laughs> I see what you mean about both sides being somewhat wary of each other. So how does this... Your business is so fascinating, and you know, in fact, a great deal of your business is getting data that uh, about mm -hmm. things that are happening or things that have been produced, et cetera, in places like China. Could describe that a little bit. Um, we provide our clients with uh, information that cannot ordinarily be gained or is uh, in Chinese, for example, which they uh, are unable to read. Um, for many, many years now, we were able to obtain uh, information uh, from uh, various uh, sources which uh, were available if you knew where to look for them. Uh, but in the past uh, three or four years, uh, we've seen a great change in the privacy data ordinance in China, and uh, we have had to adjust uh, the way that we uh, retrieve that information, and it has become much more difficult and much more expensive to uh, obtain that information for our clients. So could you give me an example, if you don't want to name a company, uh, the kind of client that you would have and what kind of information do they want? Okay, for example, if, if we had a, uh, an investor that was based uh, in the UK, which is a huge investor in China, mm -hmm. and they wanted to look at the background reputation of uh, the company they were considering to invest in, we would, um, dependent on the scope that we were told to uh, look for, we would search for information in regards to um, previous court cases, in regards to issues of money laundering, uh, litigation records, anything along those lines which in somewhere like Britain you could quite easily obtain through uh, going online and, and searching for them. Public records. Yes, public records indeed. Uh, however, in China, public records have been tightened up uh, the, the Chinese leadership feel that these records should not be uh, a matter of public knowledge. Hence, uh, have uh, brought in new rules uh, over the past few years and in the past six months to tighten up and regulate the, um, the release of such kind of records. So, Derek, what's the reason for that? Why do they want to put that stuff under wraps? I believe that they, they feel that uh, it's too much, too much public knowledge is a bad thing for China. Uh, there's lots of skeletons in lots of cupboards, as we know, and I think at the moment uh, the Chinese government are trying to clear out those closets, and uh, it's very embarrassing for them uh, when uh, someone in power uh, or someone in leadership of a, a first or second tier city is found to be involved in something that they shouldn't be involved. So uh, lots of the rules that have um, been uh, made over the last couple of years are actually being um, made for protection of China itself. So is, this isn't so much to keep people like you out of there. No. It's to protect their records from yes. their own people who are trying to do stuff with exactly it. Exactly correct. So you probably have a pretty good uh, insight into the the corruption level in China. Mm. 
and we know that there's been this major crackdown. Is that is that what it appears to be? Is it really because we want to be rid of corruption? Is it the present leadership shoring up its own strength and getting rid of enemies? What's the deal? I think it's the present leadership uh, in a, in a uh, a scrap with the the past leadership. Um, Corruption has been a part of Chinese uh, uh, business culture for many, many years. And I believe that it will be a part of uh, Chinese business culture for many, many years to come. Uh, the struggle, the power struggle that's going on between the old and the new administration has uh, affected many, many people. And uh, In what way? Uh, I believe that uh, the effect that it has had on uh, foreign companies uh, has been quite uh, largely due to the fact that you are unable to, uh, the law is not entirely clear on what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, so there, there have been many cases of uh, expatriate and, and uh, even Chinese uh, uh, CEOs or, or, or staff arrested and detained and uh, for long periods with no charges. And uh, it's affected business in a way that uh, has spread all the way to Hong Kong, I believe, with the uh, with the so-called kidnapping of the booksellers in Hong mm -hmm. Kong. Uh, it really has sent a shiver up the spine of many expatriates in Hong Kong that are involved in uh, the same industry as as my company, uh, risk mitigation and and. Uh, on the ground investigations in China, that uh, if that kind of uh, uh, practice can happen with booksellers, that there's no reason it can happen uh, with with uh, investigators. Investigators. So, so could this be? Is it on the rise? I can't say it's on the rise because uh, something like a kidnapping would be uh, very much a, of, a, of a public knowledge. But uh, I do believe that the uh, the amount of uh, mainland Chinese intelligence agency staffers in Hong Kong and Macau has risen uh, to to a volume never, not seen in the in the past thirty years. Their own people being investigating. Their own their own people investigating in in Hong Kong and Macau really? and looking at certain individuals. And when we when we speak about Macau, uh, we have casinos. Which it goes hand in hand with with uh, money exiting, the renminbi exiting out of yeah. China, and being used in Macau uh, by gamblers. Um, you can I could take you to a uh, a VIP uh, gaming room in Macau, and I could quite easily identify the three to four intelligence officers that we that would be in that room, uh, discreetly taking pictures and identifying uh, what we would call sharks or even wows uh, playing uh, playing the tables. Really? And uh, Now I get the first yes. one. What's the second word? I know it's sharks. Wows. Just a bigger player. Ah. So okay. we have the sharks and the wows and, and uh, there is a restriction on the amount of uh, cash money that you can bring into Macau. Ah, so these are people that may be uh, disobeying so the rules. These are people that uh, actually have um, uh, chips available to them in Macau by leaving money to a third party in China. So oh, you know about so many. It's, it's very, very interesting, and and uh, 
But we, that's why we're seeing at the moment uh, the Macau uh, income streams dropping by the most ever in, in the past three years. Because once you leave the casino, and let's say, for example, you're the CEO of a state-owned company in China, you will be spoken to upon your return, and uh, you will be dealt with. The fact that you were there at all? The fact that you were there at all, and the fact that you were gambling large amounts of money ah. that you, you maybe can't account for or did belong to state-owned enterprises. But just so that I understand what you said earlier, this is not just a clean-up corruption. This is really settling scores. A lot of it's settling scores. I don't believe that they will ever clean up corruption. Uh, as I said before, corruption is a part of uh, not just Chinese, but of Asian culture. And uh, again, we, we saw we saw a huge amount of corruption uh, five to six years ago in Macau with government officials selling land for advantages and uh, at that time um, I was actually quoted by uh, an American uh, company that this was happening and four years later there were several arrests at very high level in government in Macau and um, so I, I think that corruption is something that no one administration in China could ever stop. Uh, it will continue, and it will continue in, in, in large volumes. So we talk about people taking their money out of China. That's increased, certainly, mm -hmm. um, for whatever reasons. Is there, and, and some people say that the best, the brightest, and the wealthiest are leaving China. How true is that? I think that... Are they it's, leaving or are they just taking their money out? I, I think it's it's true to some extent. I, I believe that uh, even in my travels in the past six months to six or seven major countries, cities, uh, all you see is Chinese, mainland Chinese people uh, spending money and buying luxury goods. Uh, real estate. Real well. estate, exactly. And we can see what uh, has, has happened in for example, uh, cities like Vancouver with additional uh, sales taxes, etc., etc. Um, in regards to the real estate, I believe that a lot of real estate is actually brought uh, very smartly because uh, when a Chinese family sends out a child to study, they don't just rent an apartment and let the child stay in a rented apartment. They actually buy an apartment. And after the child has finished their schooling, four to six or eight years later, even after university, the real estate has increased in price and actually paid for the schooling. So uh, the Chinese are very connected in regards to this kind of uh, approach to overseas schooling and tend to immediately buy a piece of real estate for the child to live in and to pay the cost of the school. Sounds like a plan to me. It's a very good plan, and uh, the Chinese being so well connected via social media uh, tend to be somewhat of a, a lemming, if I can use that word, mm -hmm. in the way that everyone kind of says, well, this works, let's do it. So that would explain a lot of people investing in real estate because it is connected to the educational interests of them and their kids, and it makes a lot of sense as an investment in general. Is there, other than that though, are there people really leaving China and deciding this is the time to be elsewhere? I don't think people are really leaving China. Mm. Uh, 
I believe that China has improved uh, substantially over the past uh, 25 years. Um, it's actually not such a bad place to live. However, I think that some of them uh, are getting the taste of the likes of California or living in London or maybe uh, residing in Paris. And I think there are a majority of people that like to be out of China for maybe, say, three months of the year. Um, but I wouldn't say there's a brain drain or there, there's a rush to get out of China. But uh, with every Chinese culture, there's they, they all like to protect their wealth. And if protecting their wealth means uh, buying something overseas um, or investing in, in something overseas, then why not? Why not? Yeah. So for those who remain, and it appears it's most of them, um, it appears that innovation, probably, I think you even said this to me at one point, has never been more important. Mm. So where is the innovation coming from? It's not coming from expats. We have fewer of those in China and elsewhere than we did in the past. Is it coming from these kids that go to other places to be educated and come back and end up running companies? Or is it being homegrown? I believe it's a combination of all three that you said. Um, if we talk about homegrown, uh, the Chinese always want to win. Uh, they don't want to be second. Uh, they're very naturally hard-working people. Uh, I have uh, three offices in China, and my staff in China would stay up uh, till midnight every day and, and perform overtime. Uh, whereas if you compare them to my Hong Kong staff, they would not. Uh, the Chinese, homegrown Chinese workers are very, very hardworking. And I think it's a part of their DNA to be hardworking. Uh, talking about uh, the students returning from overseas, um, of course, a lot of them are given the chance to stay in the countries of uh, study. Uh, however, the majority do return, and uh, many of them are entrepreneurial and they have the added advantage of speaking much better English from when they left. And uh, I believe that their entrepreneurial spirit has also uh, allowed uh, China to grow immensely uh, with new ideas that they have obtained from overseas. Um, I wouldn't class the Chinese as having lots of their own ideas, uh, but they certainly are very, very skilled in taking other people's ideas, and they don't believe really in the uh, research and development and the spending of um, large amounts, large sums of money when they can take the idea and improve it from someone else. And this has been a cultural issue in China, hence we see uh, intellectual property right being 2% uh, of, of, of China's uh, uh, GDP. Uh, which is amazing. Yeah, it, it seems, at least I've been told, that now that the uh, Chinese are coming up with their own patentable ideas, that it's much more of interest to them to enforce the intellectual property laws that they have in effect. Is that, does that make sense? I think that it's something that the Chinese government can actually do. Uh, when they talk to foreign patent owners and copyright owners and registered trademark owners that it's almost difficult to uh, enforce in intellectual property right in China. In fact, I disagree. 
I believe that the government of China can enforce on any brands that they want to. Uh, let's take Nike, for example. Mm -hmm. If the Chinese government wanted to, they could stop all counterfeit Nike issues in China. I believe that is true. Really? The reason I believe that was because uh, during the Beijing Olympics uh, several years ago, uh, China actually made it known that no one should be counterfeiting the mascots or the merchandise for the Beijing Olympics. And during the whole period of the Olympics, while my, myself and my team were there, we did not encounter one counterfeited product of the mascots of the Beijing Olympics anywhere. Uh, oh. Manufacturers were told that if they touched it, there would be big issues. And it worked. So what you're saying is that could be applied that to could be applied across for, the board. Across the board for anyone. So is it not done because they've got other fish to fry? Or? I, th I think uh, it's, it's not done because uh, it's actually a big part of, uh, of, of China's uh, job creation and uh, job retention. And uh, there's cases of uh, towns cracking down in China, particularly small towns, where seizures of, uh, of counterfeit goods over a, a week period have been to the value of 200 million US dollars. Really? It, yes, it's, it's a huge, Now, huge who's industry. behind those, those crackdowns? That would be local government uh, putting their foot down and uh, maybe having uh, issues with multiple um, brand owners uh, who are not happy and uh, uh, may have factories in that area and may be threatening to close those factories, hence job loss, okay. hence unhappiness. And the crackdown has, has uh, been beyond belief, the, the amount of uh, seizure, um, whether it's handbags, cigarettes or, or fake shoes. Uh, it's in huge, huge amounts. So when you said earlier that corruption will continue, will that particular kind of corruption continue if it's that problematic? I, th I think so. I think that the, the counterfeit uh, industry will only keep growing. Really? Um, I, I believe so, yes. Um, my company is one of the most successful uh, intellectual property right enforcers in China, and uh, we don't see it stopping anytime soon. Good for you, right? Now, a somewhat related area that I'm fascinated by is the pressure regarding privacy issues. You know, in the West, even though everybody puts pictures of themselves that they should think better about uh, than making public. Uh, they do all that, and yet they have real concern about people getting hold of their personal data. Is That doesn't seem to be so true in China. I don't think so. I, I, think, that, uh, I think that technology has, has advanced in, in, in so quickly in so few years. Uh, that there's a huge uh, social uh, network in China uh, mm -hmm. that is uh, generically Chinese. Uh, in other words, they don't need Facebook. Exactly, and, and they have their own Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I believe that there is... Facebook does exist in Chinese, and many other um, kinds of apps and, and social network, social media apps exist but they're only in Chinese, so the foreigners don't get 
to see what's actually going on ah, for okay. real mm -hmm. because it's in a language that they can't read or, or understand. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it brings us back to the uh, to the privacy data, which I think is is definitely government driven for their own purposes. So you said that corruption will continue. That's part of the that's part of doing business. Uh, this privacy issue is somewhat related to that. Nonetheless, what's your long term view on China? Is it going to continue to grow? Is it going to have uh, is it going to is it going to be the powerful nation that everybody thinks it can be? Are you bullish about it? I think that we are going to see in the next uh, 20 to 25 years, uh, which is a number of years that many people uh, see. Um, but I think that from my 30 years in Asia, just over the past 20 years, I've seen a huge change in China. And my prediction for the future is, is that China will become the major power. Uh, uh, I think that we have all kinds of issues coming up uh, with, with the USA, uh, Russia, China, the South China Sea, and I do believe that there is going to be um, there's going to be some fun and games in the next three to five years that will possibly lead into some form of conflict, and uh, I think that uh, the Chinese may come out on top. Uh, the way that uh, countries are maneuvering at the moment, I believe that, uh, that the Chinese will come out on top of So uh, when you say conflict, do you mean armed conflict? Yes. Really? Yes. In the next three to five years? In the next, that would be my prediction. In wow. the next three to five years, there will be some form of armed conflict uh, involving um, the US, Russia, uh, Eastern Europe, and uh, also China. So. You say, though, that ultimately China, your prediction is that China will come out on top. So what could get in the way of that? What are the challenges to that possibility? Uh, well, the challenge for, for China has always been uh, the troop, troop movement. They're unable to uh, transport any of their troops anywhere. Uh, but as well, we've why seen, is that? Uh, well, they have no aircraft carriers. That's uh, true. They have one, which they've... Uh, just pushed out the past uh, one week, uh, just for some maneuvers in the South China Sea, but they've never been able to uh, uh, deploy any troops. Uh, that's why Taiwan is still Taiwan, uh, although that's a, a small Taiwanese strait. Um, they're able, not able to efficiently get their troops into Taiwan. You think otherwise they would? I think otherwise they would for sure. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And the, when when you look at the Chinese, they've never been involved in any major. Uh, um, battles outside of China. Um, I mean, they've got a great army that is well equipped, is becoming more well equipped, and um, it's a large army, but they have to scale that down to make it a better army, mm. not just a large army. If they scale it down so that the troops can be actually transported to somewhere to actually fight, then I believe this is a game changer for them. Uh, right. Yeah. They have to scale down for sure, and uh, then they can they can enter conflicts, which uh, they need to do. Uh, now wait a second, you're saying they need to do? I believe they 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 will need to do because I I believe there will be conflict uh, in the next three to five years. And over what? 
I believe it will be the South China Sea. Uh, the reason for their manoeuvres in the South China Sea over the last couple of years, which you can see have been very swift, uh, for them to develop and uh, build what they have done is a very strategic move. And uh, the US don't like it. Uh, the Philippines have now sided with, uh, uh, they're actually siding with China, as we know. And actually of today, they have actually just announced uh, uh, maritime uh, Navy war games with Russia. Uh, so we can see that there's a pattern there. That, China uh, has announced this with its war games. The Philippines. The Philippines has it. announced that there will oh, be some yes. naval war games with Russia, which is again very interesting when you look at the uh, the, the scenario in the South China wow. Sea. This is quite an interesting story you're building. Is there anything I haven't asked you about, Derek, that you think fits in to this conversation about Asia and the West? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, all I can add to to uh, to it is that the Americans uh, need to be. Uh, there's a there's always the face issue with Chinese, and I think the one good thing about Donald Trump, and I am a, a Donald Trump supporter, mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid to say it. The one good thing about him is is that uh, he knows how to do business. So he knows that the Chinese will need their face in the end. So I believe that uh, there will be a lot of uh, rumblings and uh, business will be difficult for a period of time, I believe. But I think that we'll get an equilibrium and the US and China will get on quite well uh, if we're talking about economies. I believe that they need each other. And it's not just as one-sided as Donald Trump is saying. He's, I believe, just playing his cards in the way that he wants to play them. Uh, but I believe that both countries cannot live without each other. So then where is the potential conflict going to come from? The conflict will become, become, will become from Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there's plenty of statistics that I could provide you with in regards to uh, what's been happening in regards to defense for both uh, China and Russia in the past six to twelve months. Uh, but Russia is the wild card, for sure, because Russia's been, uh, Russia's been kicked down the last several years, and uh, there's an old saying when, when, when you're in a, a bit of a kerfuffle, and that is you don't kick someone when they're down. But the Russians have been kicked multiple times when they've been down and out on the floor, and uh, we can see in, 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 in the last uh, one week the uh, uh, deportation of so many mm -hmm. Russian families. I mean, this has been going on for years, but not in such um, numbers. numbers. Yeah. And we can look at other events that um, the U.S. have been uh, putting on Russia over the past year. And I believe that Russia is at a point where they will no longer uh, stand for this kind of treatment, uh, because uh, the Russian administration as it is at the moment, and I'm not just talking about Putin, but the elders behind Putin um, are actually tired of, of, of coming second. So I, I think that their pushing to Eastern Europe will be seen in, in the next uh, two to three years, which will eventually end up in uh, a conflict because
Uh, obviously, the, uh, the Americans have troops already on the borders in Poland. Um, they have lots of hardware and they have a lot of uh, support from NATO. But the Russians uh, are on the floor at the moment, uh, so now they're getting themselves up and they're preparing for something in the future. Boy, you heard it all here first. This is going to be interesting to follow. Well, as I suspected it would be, how fascinating to have a conversation like this with you, Elmer. Thank you so much for participating. It was, it was, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Susan.